0: Fallon Lynn Fridley was born via emergency C-section on September 27, 2018, to then 25-year-old mother, Kristen Fridley Gant in Hollywood, Florida. She was 10 pounds, three ounces, and born five days past her due date at Memorial Regional Hospital. During this time, Kristen sat alone in the maternity ward, hooked up on a Pitocin drip, waiting for her little girl to arrive. Her mother and sister were 700 miles away, racing against time to be with her. Fallon's biological father had been screaming at Kristen over the phone. So badly that it spiked her blood pressure. This was the last time the two spoke. At the time of our story, Fallon was two years old and living in Woodstock, Georgia. Fallon was an outgoing toddler with blonde hair and blue eyes and chubby cheeks. She had an expressive face and a bright smile that would light up any room. Fallon never met a stranger and loved talking to people. Her family described her as an absolute angel on earth. She was an active child that loved to sing and dance. In October of 2020, when Fallon was just two years old, Kristen went on to marry Fallon's stepfather, Cameron Gant. Although Fallon wasn't his biological daughter, Cameron adored the little girl and treated her as if she was. Fallon even called him daddy. Fallon was loved by all that knew her, including her mother, grandmother Cheryl, and Aunt Stephanie and Cindy, as well as her whole extended family. Fallon loved animals, especially her kitten, Mr. Butters. She also had a favorite stuffed animal named Lovey that was always with her. Her love of creatures both living and plush was a trait that Fallon got from her mother. At the time of our story, Kristen was working as a veterinary technician at the Fur Kids Animal Rescue Shelter Sanctuary in Atlanta which is Georgia's largest no-cage, no-kill animal shelter and rescue organization. Now, if you know anything about shelters down south, Kristen was doing the Lord's work.
1: Fallon was attending daycare while Kristen was working, saving the lives of animals in need. That was until August of 2020 when the daycare closed due to financial reasons stemming from the pandemic. This put Kristen in a predicament, as she needed childcare for Fallon during the day while she worked. Thankfully, Kristen's close friend of five years, 29-year-old Kirsty Flood was a stay-at-home mom. She too had a daughter named Harper, who was three years old at the time. She and Fallon were best friends. The two toddlers even went trick-or-treating together. Kirsty also had a newborn baby boy. Kirsty seemed like a loving, doting mother. And according to Kristen, the mother treated Fallon like one of her own. It seemed that this arrangement was the answer to all of Kristen's troubles. However, unbeknownst to Kristen, Her friend wasn't what she appeared to be on the surface. In fact, many of Kirstie's friends thought of her exactly how Kristen did as a kind, generous, loving mother. According to her friend Sherry Travis, she said, Children are her whole world. She posts about her children every day. She's an amazing mom. She would never hurt a child. However, Kirstie had her fair share of run ins with the law. In fact, then 29 year old Kirstie had been arrested five times before the age of 21. She racked up a laundry list of charges, including battery and alcohol and substance use and possession. In February of 2010, she had been arrested and charged with battery, underage possession, contributing to the delinquency of a minor, and criminal trespass. In that case, Kirstie and two co-defendants were ordered to stay away from a 16-year-old girl. Bond was set at $2,500 in that case. In August of 2010, Kirstie was arrested and charged with DV. Bond was set at $10,000. into court records, the judge ordered Kirstie to refrain from drinking alcohol, consuming drugs without a prescription, and to submit to random drug and alcohol tests. She was barred from possessing any firearms and prohibited from contacting the victims. The judge also ordered that Kirstie must undergo counseling at her own expense. Her most recent arrest at this point in our story occurred in November of 2012 during a traffic stop where she was found to be in possession of Xanax, except Kersey didn't have a prescription for Xanax. She ultimately pled guilty and was sentenced to three years of probation, which was later revoked in 2013 after she failed to meet the conditions of said probation. This included submitting to drug screenings, paying court fees and fines, and completing 150 hours of community service. As a result, Kersey served 15 days in jail, after which she was released into her probation officer's supervision. Even more recently, Kirstie had found herself in hot water at her apartment complex. Court records indicated that in September of 2020, she had been served with an eviction notice for non-payment, it was in the process of being evicted at the time of our story. Kirstie was also running an unlicensed daycare out of her apartment, it was given a lease violation for doing so. Additionally, she had been suspected of slashing her upstairs neighbor's tires after the two had a falling out, there was never enough evidence to charge her with a crime. Ironically, Kirstie had also watched that neighbor's children prior to their falling out at her illegal daycare.
0: December 9th, 2020 was just like any normal day. Kristen dropped Fallon off at Kirstie's apartment and headed to work. Kirstie, her boyfriend Jeffrey Myers, and her children all resided in Unit 507 of the Edgewater at Sandy Springs Apartments. That afternoon, Kirstie sent a text to Kristen asking if Fallon could spend the night. Having known Kirsty for some time and trusting her with her young daughter, Kristen agreed, knowing that Fallon would have a blast having her very first slumber party with her best friend. That afternoon, Kirsty took Fallon, her daughter, and her new baby to a nearby park to play. Around that time, the two mothers spoke, and Kirsty let Kristen know that her phone was dying. At around 6:30 p.m. that evening, the two mothers texted. Kirsty told Kristen that Fallon had eaten supper and had been put to bed. When Kristen asked to FaceTime with her daughter, Kirsty said to give her an- Not long after, Kristen received another call. This time, Kirsty was in hysterics. Fallon wasn't moving. She told Kristen that earlier that afternoon, Fallon had fallen and hit her head on a slide at the park. At 8.44pm, Kirsty called 911. Soon, emergency services made their way to her apartment on Monterey Parkway in response to a call of a toddler who was not breathing. Upon arrival, paramedics found Fallon unresponsive and they began administering life-saving measures. She was rushed to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta Scottish Rite, but sadly, there was nothing that doctors could do to save her, and Fallon Lynn Fridley was pronounced dead at 1.18am the following morning.
1: And this story is already tragic enough. A two-year-old girl attends her first ever sleepover with her best friend and has a terrible accident on the playground. An accident that would later cost her her life, except none of Fallon's injuries were consistent with falling and hitting your head on a slide. At autopsy, it was discovered that while under Kirstie's supervision, little Fallon had suffered severe injuries that led to her death. These injuries included a skull fracture and lacerations to multiple organs, including her spleen, liver, and colon. After further examination, Fallon had bleeding and injuries consistent with S.A., Her body was covered in bruises. The medical examiner was right. None of these injuries were consistent with a playground accident. Fallon's death was ruled a homicide, and police launched an investigation into her death. Investigators obtained search warrants for Kirstie's Edgewater apartment home, as well as her cell phone. They found Neck shocked them. During the time that Fallon would have been in Kirstie's care, she conducted the following searches on her iPhone. Mental health... What type of people enjoy abusing other people's children? I hit my child and I feel guilty. And finally, what does it mean to have a sudden urge to beat a child that's not yours? New at 1130, a babysitter in Sandy Springs is now charged with murder or the death of a two-year-old girl. Police say it appears the little girl suffered severe injuries while under the care of 29-year-old Christy Flood. The victim was found unresponsive in an apartment on Monterey Parkway last Wednesday. Flood now faces several charges, including felony murder and cruelty to children. On Friday, December 11th, 2020, Kirstie Flood was arrested and booked into the Fulton County Jail. She was charged with malice homicide, two counts of felony homicide, aggravated battery, and first-degree cruelty to children. Additional charges of aggravated sexual battery, false statement, and tampering with evidence were later added. She was not given bond. You might ask yourself, why is Kersey being charged with two counts of felony homicide when there was only one victim? In the state of Georgia, anytime time a person commits a felony act that results in the death of another, it automatically becomes a count of felony homicide. So in this case, since Kersey was accused of two felony acts that resulted in death, both the aggravated battery and cruelty to children in the first degree, It triggered two counts of felony homicide. Now, malice homicide is a charge specific to the state of Georgia. You will not find this charge in any other U.S. state. It is applied when a homicide is done with express or implied malice. According to Georgia law, express malice is that deliberate intention unlawfully to take the life of another human being which is manifested by external circumstances capable of proof. Malice is implied when, quote, no considerable provocation appears, and where all the circumstances of the killing show an abandoned and malignant heart.
0: On Wednesday, January 27th, 2021, a second arrest was made in connection with Fallon's tragic death. 28 year old Jeffrey Scott Myers, who happens to be Kirstie's boyfriend, was charged with second degree homicide, second degree cruelty to children, tampering with evidence, and false statements. He was initially arrested the day prior on a probation violation, which stemmed from prior arrests for hard drug possession, driving without a license, and a seatbelt violation. Although he first claimed to be at work at the time, it was later discovered that he was indeed present at the Edgewater Apartments the day that Fallon's injuries occurred. He was present and witnessed the abuse inflicted upon Fallon and did nothing to stop it. Remember when we always tell you to say something if you see something happening? Well, Jeffrey didn't. Police don't believe that he actually hurt Fallon in any way, but he had a duty to protect her and failed. Jeffrey was initially booked into the Fulton County Jail, but was later moved to the Coffee Correctional Facility in Nichols, Georgia, where he's currently being held without bond. According to reports, he's allegedly being represented by criminal defense attorney Mario Anthony Cladis, who, according to the website Open Payrolls, also works as an assistant district attorney three in Fulton County. On June 26, 2021, Kirstie's mother, Karen Flood, was arrested and charged with one count of influencing a witness. She was released on July 6 on a $10,000 unsecured bond. Shortly after Kirstie's arrest, Karen began coaching her granddaughter, Harper, not to say anything bad about her mother. Unfortunately, Harper will more than likely have to testify not only against her grandmother, but against her mother as well as Harper was present and witnessed the injuries inflicted upon her best friend. Karen is being represented by attorney Michael Welsh. Now, around the same time, the state of Georgia filed a motion to submit surveillance video into evidence. The camera had initially been located behind a sofa in Kirsty and Jeffrey's living room. In the footage, both Jeffrey and Harper could be seen while Kirsty inflicted the injuries on Fallon that ultimately led to her death.
1: As of the date of this recording, Kersey is still sitting in the Fulton County Jail. Kristen had previously announced on the Justice for Fallon Facebook page, which has over 7,000 followers, that Kersey's trial would be happening in the first week of November this year. However, due to some changes that she did not specify, the trial was ultimately postponed. Other creators have indicated that Kersey is currently being represented by attorney Priscilla Upshaw. If this is true, then this is very concerning. According to her LinkedIn page, Ms. Upshaw is a guardian ad litem and child attorney for the Cobb County Juvenile Court. Her About section reads, Justice for Georgia's Juveniles. We are a public interest law firm exclusively dedicated to representing juveniles and adults in the state of Georgia. We tirelessly defend children in Georgia's juvenile courts and school disciplinary hearings, and we relentlessly advocate for children in need of special education services, representing them at IEP and 504 meetings. If attorney Upshaw is dedicated to the interests of children, then why on earth would she accept Kersey's case? We sincerely hope that someone tasked with helping children isn't defending someone accused of killing a two-year-old and no, to be clear, there is no indication that she is a public defender. So she took this case by her own volition.
0: Although she's currently behind bars, Kirstie was formally evicted from Unit 507 of the Edgewater at Sandy Springs Apartments on February 24, 2021. She now owes her former landlord $6,300 in past due rent. In the wake of Fallon's death, both Kristen and Cameron went on the Dr. Phil show to discuss Fallon's case. GoFundMe was launched by Samantha Shelton and Robin Yeager, two of Kristen's colleagues at FurKids Animal Rescue Shelter Sanctuary. The goal of the fundraiser was to cover the cost of Fallon's funeral service and other expenses that could arise due to Fallon's senseless and tragic death. They felt that as Kristen spent her days working hard to save the lives of the most at-risk animals in their community, that she of all people didn't deserve this kind of tragedy, and we're inclined to agree. Kristen is our kind of person. As of the date of this recording in December of 2023, the GoFundMe has raised $63,490 of its $65,000 goal. We're going to have the link in our description. It would be great to see the additional $1,510 funded for Kristen as a gesture to let her know that she's in our thoughts and that Fallon hasn't been forgotten. We'll also have a link to the Fur Kids Animal Rescue Shelter Sanctuary if you'd like to know more about the extremely important work that they're doing down in Georgia.
1: Fallon's funeral was held on December 17, 2020 at the Pool Funeral Home Chapel in Woodstock, Georgia. The service lasted just over an hour and started with the song One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boys to Men. It was live streamed so that all who wanted to pay tribute to the little girl could attend.
2: There are times in life where it seems that there are many more questions than answers. And I believe that this is Indeed, one of those times. I know that everyone has questions today. And uh, at first glance, there seems to be so few answers. This is an unexpected and an unspeakable tragedy. Our human nature if we're positive people is to try to put to find a silver lining in even difficult situations that we face in our lives and indeed there is a silver lining to this there's more than one and that's what I want to talk with you about for just a few minutes today <laughs> One of the silver linings is that Fallon, though she was here for only a brief time, was a great blessing during that time. And she made a huge impact in her life, an impact impact that I don't believe can really be measured and as you look at yourself today you know how you were impacted and some over much more than others but she was truly indeed a blessing
1: fallon was laid to rest in a pink casket at the rolling hills memory gardens in ackworth georgia beneath a small granite headstone etched with images of flowers and giraffes as well as the inscription too beautiful for this world.
0: On December 18th, 2021, Kristen and Cameron welcomed a little boy into the world. The little boy, whom they named Asher, was born four weeks early. The day prior, Kristen's water broke. This date was significant, as it was one year to the date that Fallon was laid to rest. This little boy was no doubt an early Christmas present from his sister. Now, according to Kristen, Fallon visits in the form of a ladybug. According to Kristen, quote, The day after she passed, a ladybug came to me and didn't leave me for a few hours. One found me in Gatlinburg in freezing weather with 40-plus mile-per-hour winds on the top of a mountain on the 14th floor of a hotel. So I know when I see them, it is her visiting me. Now, if you know me at all, you would know that I firmly believe that our loved ones visit in the form of winged creatures, whether they be ladybugs, dragonflies, or cardinals. I have no doubt that in my mind, Fallon is watching over her loved ones in the form of a ladybug.
1: Recently, Kristen shared the following post to the Justice for Fallon Facebook page. It read, There is a delicate balance between life and death. Life and death are worlds apart, yet one cannot exist without the other. Death is the ultimate equalizer, as we will all meet that fate. When a loved one dies, especially unexpectedly, it cruelly reminds us that the control we feel over our own lives is nothing but an illusion. As the third anniversary of Fallon's murder creeps closer, I am forced to reflect on the days before it happened. I remember what a sweet time it was, a time before tragedy, a time where I belonged to a large group of people who thought that wouldn't happen to me. That only happens on the news or in the movies. I often think if I could go back to that time, I would kick myself. I was stressed about everyday things like work, money, and bills. I was so wrapped up in the whirlwind of life that I didn't stop to smell the roses. The stresses that consumed me on December 9th meant absolutely nothing to me the morning of the 10th. Nothing mattered. If only I had known that the morning of December 9th, 2020 would be the last time I would hug my daughter, I would have hugged her tighter. If I knew then what I know now, I would have never let her go. I would have taken a moment to look at my beautiful baby and remember every feature of her face. I would have memorized the sound of her voice so that maybe I could live with less regret than I do now. One positive that has come from my trauma is the gift of seeing life through an entirely different lens. I think we all know, to an extent, how fragile life really is. We know that every time we get into our cars, we are taking a chance. We know we may never return home to our loved ones. However, do we really think about it? It may be cliché to say hold your loved ones tighter and enjoy the moment, but the sentiment is true. Put your phone down, live in the moment, and be present. Don't be like me living with regrets after tragedy struck. Fallon, thank you for being my guardian angel. Thank you for choosing me to be your mom. No matter how short our time together on Earth, becoming a mother, your mother, was the best thing to ever happen to me. I love you now. I love you still, always have, always will.
0: Fallon's case differs from a lot of the cases that we cover on the show for one reason. She was well loved and taken care of by her mother, her stepfather, and her extended family. I actually began researching Fallon's case on December 9th, 2023. Exactly three years to the day that this sweet little girl would have suffered the horrendous injuries that would ultimately lead to her death. This was purely coincidental, but it made me feel like we needed to signal-boost her story even more. Now, we often teach our children not to talk to strangers, but most often, the monsters lurking under the bed are the people that we know, people that we may even care about, and evidence clearly shows that children are more likely to be abused, kidnapped, or even killed by someone they know rather than a stranger, which has led to discussions around stranger danger talks being outdated. Kristen knew Kirsty for five whole years. So how do we strike a balance between instilling a sense of trust into our children in a world where you clearly can't trust anyone, not even the people tasked to watch your kids while you work hard during the day to provide for them? Let us know your thoughts in the comment section down below.